I'm interested today in talking to you guys about the Communist Manifesto. And the reason that I'm interested in talking to you guys about that is because it seems clear to me, at least, that everything that's going on in the world right now, there seems to be a, a clear indication that we're kind of heading into that. Um, well, we're already there in one sense, but it's getting worse and worse and worse. And one of my hopes is to really talk to you guys about how we can look at the scenarios that are happening in the world and then really talk about it from a biblical perspective and at least giving ideas. This isn't really a Bible lesson um, per se, and it's not really a you know, a, t a teaching or anything like that. It's just me sharing my thoughts with you as to what I'm seeing in the world and um, what I think as, as Christians um, should be some of our response um, with the things that are that are going on. Okay. And um, so basically, we're going to be going through um, the Communist Manifesto. And something that helps me and it's something that I'm trying new is I, I, I like to take notes as I go. And sometimes um, I, I tend to think in images and or or maybe not images so much, but but I kind of get these thoughts in my head that I feel like if I write them down, um, it'll it'll really help me explain to you what I'm talking about. And so I, I want to show you guys what I'll be doing is just basically going back and forth from this screen here where I'll be taking my notes and um, we can also um, take a look at, you know, some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about here um, if I have to show you something online. And then, um, so hopefully that's something that'll that'll make sense for you guys. So if you see me kind of going off the screen, that's that's the only thing I'm just writing some um, things down, and, and I think that'll help you guys understand. Um, just to give you some context um, on the Communist Manifesto, I'm, I'm reading um, this book, and I'm not reading through the entire book, but this, this book in particular here is called The Communist Manifesto. It's a Dover edition, and it's by a edited by a gentleman whose name is Bob um, Blaisdell, and I think I hope I'm saying that right. And um, this book is not, Communist Manifesto is not that thick. Um, it's just a few pages in here. But they do have, um, obviously, Marx, Engels are in there, but Gandhi and Paine. Um, they have other authors as well. Um, and so I'll kind of show you the table of contents here. So you guys can kind of see uh, what else is in that book, okay? And so you can kind of hopefully see that. Maybe you guys can pause that later or pause it now and just take a look at that. If any of those um, writings interest you at all, you know, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Thomas Paine is in there. Um, Danton is in there. Um, there's some stuff by also uh, Trotsky. And so it's just real handy to have to kind of look at that. I'm not a fan of the Communist Manifesto, and I think that'll become clear as I'm going through my talk. But I'm not really a fan of, of any of capitalism either. I'm a, I'm a capitalist because that's just what I am. I you know, own a business, and I'm okay with owning a business. And um, I, don't, I don't mind the, the capitalist system um, so long as you know, people are being treated as individuals with respect. And, and we can get into um, capitalism another day. But because the world that we live in now seems to really gravitate to the ideas <clears throat> that are in the Communist Manifesto, I thought, well, why don't we go back to what was there originally written? Now, I don't think I'm going to be able to get through the entire thing because um, well, one, I don't have all my notes for, for everything, um, for the entire thing, 
but I have some points that I wanted to kind of go through with you guys and maybe read some of the um, manifesto with you here so you guys can actually hear what, what were some of these original ideas. And so, you know, the Communist Manifesto was written by Karl Marx and, um, and, a, and a guy named um, Engels. Um, so Marx and, and Engels, you'll, you'll see those, those names um, that they come up a lot. And I think there was also, um, no, the only other thing they have here by Engels is the by Marx and Engels is the address of the Central Committee to the Communist League, which I have not read that um, as of yet. Now, I'm, I'm not an, an expert, okay, guys, um, on, on any of this, okay, but I have an opinion, and so far as what the Bible has to say, am I an expert on the Bible? No, but, um, you, you know, that's not the reason why I'm doing this. I'm hoping that as I'm talking to some of you guys that are in this audience, you'll be able to understand what I'm saying and maybe do your own research and then kind of uh, pray about it and, and really try to find where is it that, you, that you're at with what I'm talking about and where the world is at and, and really just trying to shift that looking at these issues that are in the... Um, and that happen in the world and seeing them through the eyes of the Bible. And that is kind of what, what I'm trying to do here. Okay, so this is written by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. Okay, um, it was written in 1848. So that's that gives you kind of an idea of the timetable um, on that. And um, it was written at a time where um, we were shortly before the revolution kind of broke out. In, in the um, in in Tsarist Russia, um, which eventually became the the Soviet Union, and so on and so forth, and there's some great books that talk about this, um, you know exactly what happened in Soviet the Soviet Union. I'm not gonna get into it too much here, but um, the Gulag Archipelago by um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. It's a great book. And um, I'm actually reading Gulag now by, um, I think her name is Ann Applebaum. And so I have, I've heard of that book. I've never been had a chance to pick it up. Um, but I, I finally did um, pick that up. So it's just interesting um, to, to read through that. So those are, those are some books that yeah, you can read. Um, 1984 is a good novel. That kind of explains a lot of what happens um, with communism, and uh, and that I that type of ideology, and also Animal Farm. Um, those are all books that um, that I've read through, and um, or or in the case of, of Gulag, um, just purchased that and just reading through that. So I think those are going to be some of the things that, that are, are going to be good for you if you want to read that. But um, I wanted to go just to the Communist Manifesto myself. Um, I read this a very long time ago when I was a much younger man. And um, probably in my teens, I remember I had a friend. I used to work at a, at a subway. And um, I, I befriended someone there who was um, probably in his 50s, I would say. Although, you know, sometimes younger people, we tend to to age others more than what they are. But I would say it was, you know, either, you know, early 50s, maybe late 40s. And, um, you know, he had, you know, he had a job. He was working there at the subway and, um, you know, kind of was down and out. But he loved talking philosophy. And he actually got me to read um, a bunch of stuff that I hadn't even even heard of at the time. And um, it was it was through him that I that I kind of got into Karl Marx a little bit. Um, I read some stuff on Hinduism. Um, he was just all over the place um, when it came to his belief systems. And, um, you know, he even read a little bit of the Bible, not much. Um, there wasn't much there. And at the time, I wasn't really a Christian. I hadn't been saved yet. 
And so I was interested in finding out, well, what systems out there are good? You know, what can I uh, learn and what can I apply to my own life? And so um, it, it was during that time that I read through the Communist Manifesto and, um, and, and reading different, different books. And um, yeah, I can't even remember them all right now. Because um, a lot of that stuff at the time when I was reading it was strange to me. I never read it. Um, but it never, never left an indelible mark in me uh, to want me to pursue that type of ideology. Um, but I've never been a person, I don't think, that's um, been consumed by ideology so much. Um, you know, a lot of times you, I'm more of a, a thinker in the sense that um, I just kind of, I'm trying to, I ask a lot of questions in my own mind and, and I try to find solutions. I try to find answers to those questions. And, um, you know, one thing I can tell you is that when, when I gave a sincere look at the Bible, it seemed to answer most, if not all the questions that I had and, um, questions that I still have. I trust that the Bible will answer um, and then God will answer that question or those questions through his word. And so I am a Christian. Um, I think that's that might be evident to some of you by now. So those that know me obviously know that. But um, it's important for me to say that because at the end of the day, everything that I do here on this podcast is intended to glorify God. Um, he is my you know, creator. Uh, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I want to be able to preach the gospel in, in a different way, um, perhaps, than, than some others are doing out there. Um, but that's because I have different interests. And so I want to I wanna keep these podcasts when I do do them and, and get the time to sit down and, and do them. Um, I, w- I want it to be engaging to myself. Okay, now when you're sitting here in front of a camera. Um, it, it's hard to sometimes engage yourself. And so um, this is also going to be practice for me. I'm, I'm currently writing a book um, that really looks at the divide that we have here in America and tries to look at it again from a biblical perspective and understanding that, um, or at least let's say going beyond the politics, um, although we, are, we I discuss politics in my writings, and um, so this is going to help me kind of develop my ideas. And so, you know, I want to make the disclaimer here up front. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. And so if there's mistakes, if there's things that I say that maybe don't make sense, I, I would love the opportunity to engage with anyone that, that may have a question or a concern or, or that um, feels like they need to correct me maybe. Um, and, um, you know, I have a website is called mindofmiz.com and, um, you can always go on there and there's a section that says Ms. Answers on the top you can click on that and you can submit your questions there. Um, and then you can also find me on, on Twitter and, um, I'm not sure. I think that my handle on there is mind of Ms. as well. Um, I don't, I don't use it much, but. It's, it's some of the avenues that you can reach me um, on as well. So um, let, let's kind of jump in here. Uh, I've been talking for, for quite a bit. Um, so let me let me just jump in here and maybe, you know, give you guys um, a little bit of something of what's in my mind. So that maybe get you, some of you guys thinking on, on these things. And, um, you know, the, the communist manifesto, it sounds the word communist has gotten a very negative connotation in it, as it should, because um, none of the um, actual systems that are communist in nature that have been put into practice have actually worked. Um, Or they've worked, but they didn't give the results, let's say, that one may have thought. And so this is an ideology that... um, is rooted in some ways in, 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 in other thoughts because nothing's ever, ever really new um, to, to that extent. Even, you know, communism is not new. We're going to 
look at that later on and, and where I think at least um, some of these ideologies uh, arise from. And, and that's the point is to go a little deeper um, than, than just surface and compare, let's say, communism to capitalism and make those the two focal things. Although that conversation could be fun and it could be engaging and it can be intellectually satisfying, it doesn't reach the truth. And what we're interested here in the Mind of Miss podcast, anyways, is to try to reach the truth and, and or, or at least go in that direction of reaching the, the truth. That's what's going to be important. OK, um, so I want to kind of begin here with what um, they write, uh, Marx and Engels, and I'm just going to read straight out of the book. And um, it says the history of all hitherto existing society is the history of class struggles. And um, I find this interesting because they root their very ideas in this idea of, of class struggles, okay? And it's, it's interesting because it's almost, to me, in my eyes, it's almost too simple um, of an observation, Clearly, people are, are against each other in, in one way or, or another. Okay, let me uh, let me go back here and read what they say right after that. They say, Freeman, well, let me just read from the top again. It says, the history of all hitherto existing society is the history of class struggles. Freeman and slave, patrician and plebeian, Okay, that's referring to, if you know a little bit about Roman history, um, that's kind of what it's referring to there. They, they had their own, and they, they talk about this later on. Um, you know, actually it says right there, they had patricians, knights, plebeians, slaves. So they had this kind of hierarchy model. Um, but, and, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but th these are things are not, they're not necessarily built by intention. At least that's not how I view it. Um, and and I'll, I'll explain that. I'll explain why in a little here. But it says, Freeman and slave, patrician and plebeian, baron and serf, guildmaster and journeyman. In one word, oppressor and oppressed. Right? And so, well, what's this idea? Um, why are men oppressing each other? And And so, you know, for me, it's one of those things where I try to think, well, who have I oppressed? And I can very clearly go back to, um, especially in my younger days, when I was trying to, quote unquote, establish myself or prove myself right in the world. Um, I'm sure that I and I know not that I'm I'm, I'm sure because I know that I oppressed people, meaning that um, I, I remember one instance um, I, I was a porter. OK, and um they hired another guy and they made me head porter and a porter is just the person that goes around and picks up garbage right and makes sure the property is clean and throws the trash out and, and fixes the you know things that are broken maybe here and there and, and puts the the pool tables and the, the pool tables and chairs and all that back in their place and so it's not a glamorous job at all but when they hired a second porter, they made me head porter, right? I wasn't the guy's boss or nothing. I was just supposed to train him and, and teach him. And, you know, I made the decisions of, I guess, who, where we picked up trash first, let's just say. Um, I was young. I was probably 20, 21 at the most when this happened. And um, this guy was older than me, okay? I was married. He had children. And, um, but he was, he was a very kind of quiet guy. And, um, in some ways, uh, um, you know, didn't really, didn't really speak up for himself or defend himself. And it was easy for me to just kind of, you know, put my, my boot, <laughs> um, you know, like so Solzhenitsyn says, you know, you know, you've got a bit of boot in your face, you know, kind of idea. And that's what I was to this poor guy. And um, I'd yell at him and, you know, mistreat him. And um, because I was trying to assert myself, I, you know, head porter, I thought I was a big deal. Um, 
well, I know much better now, but I learned my lesson then because um, then we hired another porter um, and this guy was um, also older, you know, family, kids and all of this. And, um, you know, he's working and, and he's obedient to what I'm saying, but, you know, he had a different character. And, um, you know, while I can tell him what to do, I, I, I always spoke to him in a different way. Um, p part of that was that I liked him. He was, uh, he was a cool guy. And, um, you know, we used to go out and hang out after work and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the other guy just didn't really didn't like him that much. I didn't care about him that much. Uh, he wasn't my friend. And so it was kind of easy to talk down to him. And one day we were unloading a truck and I just blast him, you know. And um, as, I'm, as I'm doing that and just yelling at him, doing all this, the other guy who was my you know, friend just, just lays into me and he says, Hey, you can't talk to people like that. And, you know, I don't want to hear you talk to this guy like that again, because that's just wrong. You don't do that. And, um, you know, he showed me, he was the bigger man at that time. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I guess maybe I shouldn't talk to this guy, um, this way. And, um, you know, I knew I was wrong when I was doing it, <laughs> but nobody checked me. And so I was, I, I kept doing it. And so, when they're talking about, you know, basically they, they boil it down to oppressor and oppressed. Well, now I'm thinking from a biblical perspective, you know, why do we oppress one another? Why do we do that? When I was a kid, I found out real quick that if something hurt me, it would, it would more than likely hurt someone else. And so I remember... Um, <laughs> We used to, we used to go to church, and um, my mom always took us to church as, as little kids, and um, you know when we go there, and I don't know why I was going to church, you know I just would talk to my friends there and run around, or but when I was getting out of hand, my mom would call me over to her, and, and she started talking to me, and she would talk to me in Spanish, as she always spoke Spanish, and. She grabbed me kind of by the arm and started pinching the, the back, the little soft flesh on the back of, of my arm. And man, that hurt. <laughs> you know, and then she'd be like, don't cry. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And so she's doing this, and, you know, I realized, well, that's painful. And, um, well, one day we're, we're in school and we're, we're sitting in a circle. I don't know why we were sitting in a circle. And, um, we're talking, and I believe her, her name was Miss Sally, was the teacher. Um, and she's, she's, she's teaching. She's this big, black, you know, girl. And um, she, she kind of had an attitude about everything when she talked. And I, I remember her teaching us, um, like, computers on those old Apple Macintosh um, computers. And... We we were sitting. I don't know what we were doing in a circle, but something came over. I'm like, man, there's this guy named Jose that was sitting next to me, and you know, I don't know why. I thought to myself, I'm gonna pinch him, you know, because I know it hurts. Well, my thought was, <laughs> the teacher was talking. It was quiet. He was, you know, he wasn't gonna retaliate because you know the teacher would hear him, and so I kind of sneakily just went behind him, and you know, I just, I mean, I pinched him real good. <laughs> This guy just started bawling, crying, and he's just crying and crying and crying. And I'm just like, I freak out. I'm like, oh, you know. And of course, you know, she's like, what happening? He, he tells me that I pinched him, um, and I got in so much trouble. And so I understood at an early age, even though I wasn't thinking this, I knew because that hurts me, it's going to hurt someone else. And we've always seen this, and we've seen this. Um, go back as far as history goes. And so when Karl Marx here and Engels are writing about, um, you know, what what is it that actually, or, or why is it that people are oppressing each other? It's The answer is obvious. It's like, if I can get away with something that hurts you, whether it's for my own enjoyment, because I'm, I'm, I'm sick in the head that way, or because it's going to help me kind of move along, I'm going to do that. And there's really nothing in the human spirit, let's say, 
in the human heart that's going to stop us from doing that. And this is something that a lot of people may not agree with me on this because they want to believe that human progress is is always the same, that that is kind of this idea where it's constantly moving forward. And so um, I told you guys I'm going to go to my little book here. So let me go my little notebook here. But this is how people kind of see they see history, right? They you they you have progress, okay? And what they see is they see this this kind of line that goes like like that, right? And so this is hu- humanity is constantly progressing. And so there's this this line that kind of moves in this direction. And if you were to uh, focus in, let's say you were to focus in on that line, what you would see is, is this, right? You have this constant kind of up and down, but the trajectory is still going up. And so what most people see, they see humanity kind of starting down here somewhere and kind of creeping up and going in this direction. And, um, you know, we're over here somewhere and, you know, eventually we want to be living on Mars, right? Way up there um, somewhere. And so... That's that's how people typically think about about these things, okay? But what what I want to show you guys is it, it's a perspective that the Bible gives us, okay? So let me show you um, what that looks like. So the the perspective of the Bible is a bit different, okay? In in the Word of God, when we go to the book of, of Genesis, okay. And I'm not going to quote verses and all of that here because, like I said, it's, I'm not really trying to make a Bible lesson, but I want to give you some some rough ideas, at least of how I think about these things and, and what I think the Bible shows us. Um, it shows um, these characters called Adam and Eve. OK, now you got Adam and Eve and they live in a place called Eden. OK. And I don't know why I'm misspelling that. I've spelled that a thousand times. But there's Eden there, okay? Um, so that, okay, when we look at humanity now, Eden is the apex. This is this is as good as it gets. This it's called paradise. Okay. Um I forget Milton, I think it was, wrote Paradise Lost, right? He wrote that 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 famous uh um, what was that? I think that's a poem. I haven't even, I haven't read that in forever, but he wrote Paradise Lost. Okay. And well, what did we lose? Well, here we are sitting in this plateau and we fall. Okay. And so humanity has the fall. This is what the Bible teaches, right? Well, why did they fall? Well, we're going to get into that now. The idea is that they fell. Okay. The assumption by let's say you know scientists people um that espouse evolution all this stuff is that somewhere down here you know there there's some there's a the primordial soup right um that that where all life kind of comes from and humanity emerges out of this somewhere okay well that idea is correct only in that it does emerge out of this primordial soup but this is we're going to call it just for fun here, the sinful soup, okay? That's actually where they were. They were in the sinful soup, and so we've been trying to climb, right? But we're not climbing this way. We're trying to get back here somehow, okay? And when we do that, okay, this is this is how I think, so forgive my little characters here. When we do that, we can get to a certain point, but then when we get too high, we fall back down, Okay? And there's this kind of loop that happens with humanity that is in that constant loop, and it happens all the time, okay? And so what we learn is the promise that we're given in, in Genesis up here is that eventually um, there's going to be a Savior of the world, okay? And that Savior is going to be Jesus Christ. And so that that's important for, for us to know um, because... Life is not about the struggle that me and you have. You know, the Bible teaches us that 
our battle as Christians is not against um, blood and uh, flesh or flesh and blood. It's against the the spirit world, right? Satan and his, and his demons. That's what we're fighting against. Now, we don't see that, right? We're not like literally fighting spirits and and demons and all, and all of this, and you know, physically. But there's this battlefield that exists um, where we're constantly falling. But what happens with humanity when they don't understand this, they get in this, and you know, in America, you probably have heard of it as the rat race or something like that. We get in this cycle where we're looking up and we're trying to get up and we see people above us. And so we see them as oppressing us and we trudge up and maybe get as far as we can and we slip and fall again. And so um, there, there's a interesting um, called the, um, wheel, it's, it's called the Wheel of Fortune in English. Um, it has, a, I believe, a Latin name. Uh, Rota Fortuna, um, I don't know if that's Latin or something, but it's called the Rota Fortuna, um, and you guys, well, actually, we might be able to look it up here, so let me see if I can find that for you guys, so you can see what I'm talking about, and um, is this idea here, so let me see, which one of these images is going to be good? Um, and let me switch this so you guys can see what I'm what I'm looking at. Um, so th this kind of uh, Rota Fortuna, okay, is this idea. Let's see if we can get in here. Okay. And hopefully you guys can see this. But but you'll, you'll see uh, up here where you have um, the king is there this guy is like the peasant right this guy is climbing up the side here and this guy is you know his way down this guy was the king he was up here now he's falling down and so this is the cycle this is kind of what i'm talking about right and so you kind of see this what happens in christianity and i'm not sure if, if this is correct in in here but in christianity what they did they they put christ at the center of that and the idea was that if you if you centered yourself on Christ, now this is an angel, I don't know who this is supposed to be, but but let's just say if you put yourself in the hands of Christ here, then you're not in this rat race. You get out of it and you're centered now. And you're centered on, on Christ. And I think that's that's a really um powerful I idea because when you think of this idea of oppressor versus oppressed that's what we're talking about when you're at the top well you know you're fine you're not being oppressed anymore and to you everything looks fine and then when you're coming down you well you're not happy anymore because now you you've, you've fallen off and so yes that to us you know um and it depends on our maybe where, how we were raised or, or or our dispositions that we may have we see it as this conflict. Um, but what we have to understand is that it's it's more of this. It's this fall, right? It's this idea where you're going up and falling down, going up and falling down. And we see this motif repeated in many different places. And I believe the Bible is correct because the Bible offers the one thing in Jesus Christ over here that no one else um, can offer. Um, Jordan Peterson who's a, a popular um, psychologist, um, once talked about how he understood Christ as one that, that made the, the, I believe he said, the narrative and, and the physical kind of touch. You know, there's, the narrative is real, right? In, in a very real sense, it is an actual reality in that if I tell you a story, you, you'll follow the story so long as my story is a genuine story. It doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be a, a story that necessarily happened to me. But if I'm telling you a story that, that's true, that describes life, you, you understand that from a narrative point of view. And so even though none of us are walking up an arch and falling, okay, or holding onto the side of a wheel and, and kind of going in this in this round circle, 
we do want, we understand what that means. We under when we say rat race, we understand what that means. It's it's clear to us. And so what what happens with um you know what Jordan Peterson says, it says that he sees in Jesus the guy who takes that narrative and takes the the physical world and unites them in how through the through the birth right of Christ here here on earth okay now there's something important that we have to point out to that why was why is Jesus so important well he was born into a a human nature but not with the human sinful nature that we are born with okay um, and so we we have to understand what what that means and um, maybe one day I can kind of get into it uh, a little bit deeper on, on that side. If that's something you guys want me to get into, we can. But because I don't want to get too far away from what we're talking about, we're, we're going to just move on. But Jesus Christ is the answer. Now, I know that sounds too easy. And I know that sounds to some people like, yeah, Jesus, whatever. Like, no, let's go back and go back to the drawing board and figure it out. Um, but we're not, um, capitalism is not the answer. Now, capitalism seems to be working relatively well in that if you have a capitalistic society, let's say like the United States with an appropriate document, like the constitution, then, then you have kind of a recipe for, for success, but the Lord God himself is, is involved in that as well. And so as a Christian, you ought to know that your world is not a world that is in, in controlled by the, the human activity that we see. It's controlled by the sovereignty of God. Okay. Now, if you're not a Christian, you hear something like that and it doesn't make sense to you. And that's, that's fine. Not because that's good. It's not good that you don't understand that and you know i want to be able to get you to that point when you understand that but it's fine in the sense that that's exactly how it's designed to be um you know the bible talks about the election of the saints okay and so there's this idea in the bible that we find that gets unfolded throughout scripture and it's 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 extremely controversial in some circles um but it's biblical nonetheless okay where god elects his people and rejects others okay now that's not a idea that most people want to um adopt so quickly but we're not in control okay and death proves that okay you can try to be as bulletproof as you want to be okay um but it doesn't matter humanity is humanity and so going back to this point um let me go back here to my pad. Going back to to this point here, okay, where we're talking about this here. Um, progress for humanity is a lot of times viewed as um, poverty, right? For example, let's use poverty. Well, Pinker wrote a book, a book, and there's a couple other guys that have written books similar like this, where they they show you all the charts and um, about poverty, for example, and how it is dropping just dramatically. Okay, now that that's important because we want poverty, for example, to to drop. Nobody, nobody. Well, some people want to, you know, see you without nothing, I guess, but. I don't. I certainly don't want people to be poor. Okay. I I, I work because I want to have a, a roof over my head. Um, you know, I also work because the the Bible demands that we work. Okay. Um, it it is part of this this life is to work is to be productive. Um, and it's something that even Karl Marx, um, and Engels point out because they they. What they're mad about, if, if when you read through the manifesto, as, as we'll go through it, is that they're mad that they, the, the bourgeoisie, okay, um, I, I always have a rough time with that word, so forgive me, 
But with the bourgeoisie, what he sees is that they're in control of the means of production, right? And, and it's it's good to make the connection, let's say, that man ought to be able to produce and work and, and have something to do. But when you get into these huge markets and industrialization, let's say, and um, where, where people are just, and one of the arguments he makes is all they got to do is push a button. You know, now you've taken something from a man in that sense. And that's all true, okay? But what's also true is that, for example, you know, I was, I've always been in sales and I've always enjoyed doing sales. And I think sales will always, you know, be a part of, of what we do. Um, but a few years ago, I made a transition and I started working more on computers and more with design and, and more with um, web development and, and things like that. Um, and just really started researching it for myself and really got started getting into it. Uh, developed a magazine and um, and kind of just took off from there. And one of the reasons why I was doing that was one, I enjoyed it, but two, I, I wanted to stay familiar with technology because I, I understand I can look in, into the world and see what's happening and I can see that more and more things are going the technological route. And so I might not, you know, I might not be needed with a, with a, with a, a sickle and a hammer, let's say. Um, but I will be required with, you know, some mental, uh, you know, uh, intelligence to maybe figure out how to work a software or something like that. Okay. And so I want to be able to be a part of that. You know, my wife does IT for a living. And so, um, you know, where we're, we're kind of techies, you know, you can, you can probably say it that way. And so part of the reason why we want to stay at the forefront of some of this technology that's happening and um, at least be able to participate um, in the workforce in that field, right? Um, if, if you know that your, your job is going to get lost because, you know, they're going to have a machine that's going to do it, well, maybe if you could be really good at fixing that machine, you'd still be very useful. And so we can't just argue away that because people are bringing more prosperity or doing things differently or things are changing too, too fast, um, that that's not always good. I mean, it's good in one sense because it reduces poverty, for example, right? If you read uh, you know, Steven Pinker's book, um, I can't think of the title off the top of my head here, but, um, you know, he talks about this. If, if I, I'll try if I remember to, to put it on the description on the bottom or um, pop it up on the screen so you guys can see it here if I remember that, but, um, you know, he, he had, it's a very great book to read because as you're going through it, it's very optimistic. It's like, wow, crime's going down. Poverty's going down. More people are making more money. More people are being less hungry, less starving people. These are all good things and challenges come with that. And so we should face those challenges as they come. But, that when we look at the world through both lenses, where you're a capitalist and you're trying to fix all these problems and you're trying to fix them through innovation and, and let's say creativity and trying to solve them through producing more, you know, better technologies and this kind of thing, or you're more of a social justice warrior, let's say, and you're like, well, everybody's got to be equal. Let's slow it down so that, um, you know, we're not losing these people that are falling behind, what you're, what you're really looking at, you're looking at that rat race. You're looking at the spiritual problem and you're trying to solve it in a physical way. Um, and, and, and there's some commendation for that, right? To say, well, that that's good. We should try to do something because the Bible does also teach us you have to take care of your brother. You are your brother's keeper in that sense. Um, not like Cain and Abel, right? Where one, let's say, did hold that, that, um, you know, famous uh, hammer and sickle, let's say, um, and, and the other was uh, was tending the, the sheep, um, the flock, you know, and one of them was more ruddier than the other, we could say, was was probably more stronger, probably uh, w would call himself part of the proletariat, let's say, um, and, and, and Abel was probably more on the, you know, uh, bourgeoisie side, and so you get these these two guys kind of going at it 
And of course, what Cain rises up and he kills Abel. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, they were playing out capitalism versus communism there. That's not what I'm saying. But I wanna, I'm going to give you the indication that they, they had the same kind of struggle. Okay. But one of them was right. That's Abel in that his focus was, I have to glorify God. And so for Christians that are listening to me, that's the point. The point is, yeah, the world is going crazy. It's probably going to hell in a handbasket, let's say. That's a popular saying, right? Um, but what do I do as a believer? Well, we have to focus in on the word of God. We have to focus in on, well, what does God say about this? Because the answer is right in front of us. It's in our Bibles. If you just would read it, you'd figure it out. But there's too many Christians that are, they're taking these sides. And, and what's scary, there's a lot of Christians that are taking the side, as the side of communism or this ideology anyways. And I don't think they know, is they don't have a clue what they're getting into. Um, if, if, if you would just pick up any, like I mentioned in the beginning, the Gulag Archipelago or, or Gulag by Applebaum, okay? Um, if you would read through Animal Farm, 1984, okay, these, these, these books that I mentioned in the beginning, you would realize, your eyes would be open to some realities that you probably are not too familiar with. And uh, the last thing you want to do is be a church or be part of a church or, you know, the body become the church that is so complacent, right, that you'll just keep giving things away you'll just keep i'd rather get killed right but believe what i believe stand on the hill that that I, and die on that hill than to keep giving a piece of myself away little by little by little by little i mean and a lot of christians are doing that a lot of churches i mean a lot of pastors are doing that they're giving up just a little bit more just a little more we just want to be nice just a little bit more and I think that's one of the, the biggest problems um, when it comes to that, okay? Um, there was another thing here, as, as so we're going to jump right back in the, in the book here. And so we, we finished what he talked about, the oppressor and oppressed. And then he says, standing constantly in opposition to each other, carried on an uninterrupted warfare, not open, not concealed, a warfare which always ended either in revolutionary transformation of the whole of society or in the common ruin of the contending classes, okay? So he, he's saying we're either going to kind of fight through it and have a revolution or the whole thing's just going to collapse. And um, But things don't collapse because we didn't fix the problem. We can't fix the problem. And, 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 that's, and that's part of the answer. Is, is realizing that just because we have um, gotten rid of poverty, let's say, or gotten rid of um, what we think is bad, we haven't changed the human heart. And this is what the Bible teaches us. The human heart, God changes that. Christ changes the heart. The Holy Spirit renews us. It's not you or I. I mean, we can, sure, we can live in a world where we barely have crime. But we would be lost in our own debauchery. That's just how it, it'll be. Okay, there's this movie called Real uh, Ready Player One. And it, it, it kind of gives a glimpse into what a world would look like where if we, if we just saw stayed home playing these virtual games in our heads where we get nothing done, right? And we probably stay out of trouble most of the time. And so maybe we'll have a society where, you know, not too many crimes are happening. But you find a way through this virtual lens, virtual lens to just satisfy every single heathenistic passion that you have. Well, that's debauchery, right? And so when you look at the Bible, by the time you get to near the end, that's what the Apostle Paul talks about. A lot. It's this debauchery that enters the, the church, the world, because things are getting better. 
you know, uh, by the time Jesus came in the time of the Romans, the Romans were building roads um, where people couldn't travel from city to city. The Romans, as brutal as they were, um, were big believers in in taking what worked from all the places they conquered, okay, and, and, and letting people become Roman citizens because they were trying to create a unity, um, and they did a heck of a job. And, and I think in, 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 in the grand scheme of things, when you look at history and you look at redemptive history, um, Rome is, is part of that. And, and it's only gotten better, right? The world has gotten more better in that sense in that people can be lifted out of poverty. You know, the bourgeoisie really, um, when, when, when Engels and, and Marx talk about it, what they're really thinking, it seems to me, is the middle class. Well, you look at the middle class in the United States, and that's all we are. And we and we fight all the time in this country when we're losing the middle class, right? Because people are going into more poor, and there's this big gap. And so, you know, we're fighting for the middle class. Well, that's exactly what Karl Marx would have hated. He would he wanted everybody to be, let's say, a proletariat, you know. And and, and when you look at, at Trotsky later on, Trotsky talks about. Um, keeping this revolution aligned. Why? Because that's well. That's the only way it's going to win. You have to keep fighting this thing, and you, and you have to fight it till the bitter end. Okay. And so, the answer to all of that is not us thinking that because we have less poverty and less crime that we've actually bettered ourselves. You, you're still human. That doesn't change. And it's amazing to me how people think that we are somehow better than people that lived 500 years ago. Because 500 years ago, there was some sort of, there was, you know, um, slavery. And there's slavery today. There was slavery of, of, of mass kind in the Soviet Union. It, literally, no more than probably 50, 60 years ago. Okay, these camps that, that, that started getting shut down, you know, the Cold War didn't end until 91, if I'm not mistaken. So these camps were shutting down. I mean, but people were still being enslaved. See, when you, when you understand what communism led to, it led to people that were innocent, non-criminals being put in work camps, enslaved. These people, some of them are still alive, you know, or their mom was, you know, one of them, or their dad was one of them. And so this has happened always. But when we take those things and then we put labels on them. So um, in America, the, the big labels that, that we use here is, is racism, right? Um, and we've used that in order to, to create a wedge in the United States that shouldn't be there because everybody in the United States is way off, much better off than most of the world, okay? If, if, you, if you have an apartment, okay, I live in an apartment, I have a car, I have one car, okay? I have clothes that I can wear, okay? And I'm able to purchase things like this microphone and um, this tablet that I have here that I'm writing with and this computer and this camera that I'm talking into. I have a big screen TV out to the side here. I'm able to purchase books, right? I'm fine. You know, maybe once in a while you get the, the hankering to want to go to some beach somewhere on some faraway island, and you could do that if you saved the money. Maybe you took a cruise or, you know, whatever it is, and, and, and go and do it. I've done it. I've had fun. I've been to Costa Rica. I've been to the Cayman Islands. I've been to, you know, all these places out in the Caribbean. And it's a lot of fun. I get it. But I'm fine. I, and so this idea that people are oppressed and, and constantly being put down by some system, you have to ask, who does the organizing? Who's figuring these things out? So let me read something to you here from, again, the Communist Manifesto says, in early historic epochs, we find almost everywhere a complete organization of society 
and to various degrees, a manifold gradation of social rank. But the word that they use here is organization of society. Well, who's doing the organizing? Because we know who, who organized the USSR. That was Stalin and his henchmen, right? Mao Zedong in, in China, okay? Um, we, we, we know who these characters are in history. We see them. We're aware that they're there. But we want to blame the, I guess, the invisible hand of capitalism, right? And, and they are organizing this. Who's they? Who are we talking about? And so you have to understand these things. In the world, I mean, that's great on a novel, but in the world, we, we, the leaders there, we see them with our eyes. You know, when we look at our politics here in the United States, we know who in, in, the, in, in Congress right now, we can find the names of the people that are voting in um, or, or at least are on the side of debauchery. Okay, here in, in debauchery, we're talking about making things that are sinful lawful. Okay, things like homosexuality. Okay, that that's that's an extremely sinful thing. It's lawful, great. Yeah, you can get married because somebody made it legal, right? But it doesn't change the fact that it's sinful, and we do that. We do that as humans. We 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 see the problem and we're like, you know, I really want to do that. Well, how do I make that right? You know, you look at Hitler, who was on the opposite, right? He was on the far right. We're talking about communism, which is which is you know the far left, if you want to look at it that way. And and he wasn't. He was a fascist, right? Well, he did the he did the same thing when his rise to power when he tried to take over, you know, bang, bang, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to take over. You know, he ended up running away with his tail between his legs. Okay? Did some time. Came out, wrote a book while he was in jail, and decided this is how I'm going to do it. And he did it through a constitutional system. He did it by, by changing the laws, by, by enacting laws that were that were ideological at their core um there's a great book um and and i'll try to link it up here as well i think i think it's called the rise and fall um of 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 not of the nazi or nazism i have the book um and and i read i read it a few years ago and it's a great book and um it kind of details that rise how how he got in that it's so interesting how he how he managed to get to that level through legal means. Well, we see that today. And the reason that I call out the, the left in particular in, in this particular podcast is because they're the ones in control. And, and they're in control because they're in control in the media, they're in control in the academics, they're in control um, in, in, in our entertainment and our culture, right? Um, I mean, I, I would even agree Christian movies are not very fun to go watch. Um, they're not well made um, for the most part. That's my opinion, okay? Um, they're not huge blockbuster hits for except for maybe a few of them um, here and there. But, and, and, and I don't even know if blockbuster would be the right word. Probably aging myself by saying blockbuster anyways. But the, the left is what's controlling the narrative right now. But but they're again they're making a claim that's false. Okay, so when you look at racism, for example, and and, and making things about race, slavery was never about race. Slavery was about how do I get free labor done? It, it's the same thing the Romans did, and it's the same thing all the other kingdoms before them did. Okay, you go to the Bible, and the Bible will tell you that. There were, you know, in the Old Testament, when you read it, it talks about those that you purchase. Okay, those are your slaves that you purchase. This is God talking to, to Abraham. This band, this is a, it's a part of the fallen system of the world that we live in. 
Now, you can argue to your blue in the face, well, then why would God make a place that's so horrid as this one? Well, you have to take that up with God, right? And there's answers for that. I'm not going to get into them here. But the point is that we don't live in a perfect world. And since it's not perfect, it cannot be made perfect. And so this utopian idea where everything's going to be equal and nice and it's never going to happen. We're never going to get there. Okay. Um, so let me look at my notes here. Okay. I think I'm going to go through this. I guess you can call that an introduction. I don't know what we're going to call that. But this is my first point. I had a few points that I wanted to go over. And um, and hopefully I'm I'm staying in a vein here that you that you guys are understanding. Um, but going back to the book here, when we're reading this section, right, where the history of all her to existing society is the history of class struggles, we have to ask ourselves, well, where does this come from? Because it's really an ancient argument, okay? Um, let me read here something I wrote. Let me see. This creates uh, a real lasting dilemma that plays out in our real lives, okay? And it, it does. This conflict that we see, it's a real conflict. But what what is underlying it, okay? This is, um, I wrote here, it seems that whatever the lesser classes um, has a collective mindset, or a collective mindset arises that the big guy over there has done something to keep me down. Okay. And we hear that in, in when it comes to social justice, men, do you hear that all the time? The man is keeping me down. Well, who's the man? Some guy over there. And you think to yourself as a Christian, where have I heard this before? Where have I heard this argument? Well, the serpent. In the Garden of Eden, had the same argument. The serpent said to Adam and Eve, "Hey, um, you know, why don't you eat of this fruit?" Well, you know, God said that if we eat of the fruit, then we shall surely die. <laughs> you're not gonna die. You'll you'll know good and evil. You'll you'll see things like God. Sees them. You'll be be like God. And man, that just seemed like a fantastic idea to Adam and to Eve. Yeah, we should be equal with the big guy. Why not? That's the world we live in. This this communist this start with Marx. This ideology comes straight from the pit of hell. Now maybe I sound like a preacher here, but I'm telling you the truth. This does not come from a man's mind. Okay, this idea of equity, this idea of, of being like that guy that right now is above us. That's satanic in nature, man. And, and as Christians, we have to realize that. Well, we got to talk about these things and we have to put it out there because if not, we're just going to keep going along. Like dumb sheep going along, listening to the wrong voice. And there's something the Bible says about that. Um, and I think it's, it's important to realize. Hey, I'll share something that I'm writing in my book with you guys. Because um, it might be important to you um, to maybe hear this. Just give me a second here. Um, here's, let me read. Uh, kind of a, a paragraph that I wrote. Um, it's, it's part of my book. This is unedited, so forgive me. There's some issues here. Um, but this is me writing regarding Alexander Solzhenitsyn and the distorted view of truth. And I'll read just a little bit of this. It says, A submissive sheep is a find for a wolf. Such said Solzhenitsyn in his legendary work, the Gulag Archipelago. It is to this work that I now turn to to show my fellow Americans what happens when we lose truth and by consequences, or by consequence, give up freedom. 
Solzhenitsyn's reference to sheep is interesting, since as Christians we are constantly compared to sheep. It's interesting because as Christians, we believe that Jesus speaks truth. And the most poignant teaching of sheep we see in the Bible is that Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. We can say then that there is a difference between submissive sheep and sheep that hear truth. One will get torn limb from limb. The other will stay safe within earshot of their master. Now, we have to understand this because if you say you're a Christian, then the truth is that you hear the voice of Christ and you only follow the voice of our master, Jesus Christ. And if you're following the voice of another, then you have to ask yourself, am I really a Christian? And I think that's worth thinking about. And I think that's probably a good stopping point. We'll see you next time.